And so I'm going to start with in the book of Hebrews, start with chapter 6, verse 7 through uh, 7 and 8. It says, When the ground soaks up the falling rain, it bears a good crop for the farmer. It has God's blessing. But if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Now, this, this verse, if you read it, it don't seem to really stand out that much or to you until you realize when you start at Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 1, which I did not give him, and you, and you see the context of where this verse lies. He is talking uh, he was talking to the people about being born again of God's Spirit. He's talking about getting filled with the Holy Spirit and coming to know God and then walking away from that and turning away from God and leaving that. And he's telling them that it is that if once that happens, first he's telling them we need to quit going over the same things. Do you not yet understand uh, the fundamentals about what it means to repent? from your uh, evil deeds and place your faith in God. And he goes on to tell them that, that if we go against God after we've received the knowledge of the truth of the Holy Spirit and we've understood and we've walked in the presence and felt the presence of God, then to walk away from that and to turn away from God back to sin, he is he's telling them that God, that God is not having it, that you're putting God to an open shame. And so he's talking to people about uh, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, being born of the, of the water and of the spirit and then just acting like it ain't no big deal and then dead in the middle of it he talks about the thorns and the thistles and the field that needs to be burned up then he goes back in to talking to them about not following God once they have felt God that well, how bad it is to walk away from God so as I was reading that last night, it, it, I love the Word of God because it is the, the New Testament and the Old Testament. There are so many things that God has hidden in there. And you could read it a million times and get something new every time you read it because it is so layered. With uh, God is so smart. He layers everything so deeply. But all of a sudden, I began, when I began, read it this time, and it says the field that, that is full of thorns and thistles, he said, needs to be burned down, that it's useless, that there's no good for it. But he says God shows that his favor is upon uh, uh, the land if he brings down the rain and it produces a harvest. So then immediately, my mind went back to Genesis. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is now cursed because of you, and all your life you will uh, struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grades. Uh, but by the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground for which you were made. For you were made from dust, and from dust you will return. So in here we see right here that this is the first curse that God has spoken over them that fall, that fell into sin. God created Adam and Eve in his own image and in his likeness. He created them, male and female, he created them both. And it says that he breathed into their breast, their nostrils the breath of life. That's the word for Ruach, the spirit of God. He breathed the spirit of God into them. So Adam and Eve were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were created and filled with the Holy Spirit, an eternal spirit of God that lived within them. That's what made them likened unto God. The rest of them was just dirt. Me and Chip, we were watching this show that came out where people are building houses out of mud. Uh, what did they call it? They call it something, but it's pretty much mud. Cob. And I looked at Chip and I said, how does it not wash away when it rains and stuff hard? 
And then I said, wait a minute, we're made out of mud, and we don't wash away when it rains hard. And I was like, okay, scratch what I just said. Obviously, it works. Uh, uh, because uh, we were watching, we were we were watching that show, and it would just hit me. I was like, "How does it stay firm like that?" Uh, and then I was like, "We're also made out of dirt." Uh, and so, as as I was as as we were as we were thinking about that, I was thinking about when God made mankind, and then they sinned against God, and they listened to the to the snake. They put a curse upon the earth and upon the flesh of mankind. But He cursed mankind man with that they would have to work by the sweat of their brow. And thorns uh, and thistles, the ground would be cursed. So then, when we go back up to Hebrews, and we see that he's talking about being born again and receiving the Spirit of God, and, and he's talking about us being changed. He's talking about that we went from a from a land, from a field that was full of thorns and thistles and curses upon our life. That our whole life was uh, was hard. Our life was hard. It was full of thorns and thistles because it was cursed. There was a curse that was upon us. And so, then I began looking even further into thorns and thistles. And in Joshua 23, verse 12 through 13, he's talking to the, to the Israelite people, and he said, but if you turn away from him and cling to the customs of the nations, that's the survivors of the nations, of these nations remaining among you, and you intermarry with them, then know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive them out of your land. Instead, they will be a snare and a trap for you. They will be a whip for your backs and thorny brambles in your eyes. Or, uh, and, the, and you will vanish from this good land that the Lord God has given you. God is speaking to the Israelites and he's saying that the Gentiles are going to be thorny thorns in their eyes. And they are, he's talking about that they're being a whip to their backs. Then in 2 Samuel 23 and 6, there's more, but I just picked two. But the godless are like thorns to be thrown away, for they tear the hand that touches them. And so when God is talking about the Gentiles of the Old Testament, he also compares them to thorns and bristles. Why? Because they live under a curse. Because they are very DNA, they're very mankind of them is cursed. And so God compares them to be a curse. And he tells the Israelite people, if you intermarry with these people, you will also be cursed. If you let them stay around in your land, you will also be cursed. They will be like a thorn to your eye. Well, everybody knows that this week that uh, I burnt my face and my eye up with a UV sterilization like hospital lamp uh, because my husband came and plugged it up on my desk, I don't know what it was. And uh, you're not supposed to be in the room with them. And I sat with it for my face for 30 minutes. Uh, I, it was, it, if you were here that day at the school, they could tell you I was terrified and I don't get terrified because I suddenly could not see. And I had lost all vision and I felt like I had little fireballs in my head instead of eyeballs. Uh, and so immediately it was scaring me to death and I was thinking about, and then some of you so graciously all texted me and was like, oh my gosh, like multiple of y'all, it's like Saul when God struck him with blindness. And all of y'all I told, and I was like, no, I am not like Saul. My husband blinded me with a lamp, not the Lord. Uh, that, uh, anyway, and then Tracy said something the other day, I was like, man, if one more person tells me I'm like Saul, uh, it got blinded by the light. I was blinded by a light, but it was not from the Lord. Uh, I've not been persecuted killing Christians. Uh, I can tell you that. That, uh, But I was thinking, Lord, are you trying to tell me to preach on Saul this morning? Uh, and so just in case, for all of your benefit, I did pray and ask God, God, if for some reason I persecute Christians and don't know it, then, and that was why I got blinded for a day. Then let me know. But, but, I, but the Lord let me know that 
Sometimes accidents happen because your husband don't read the box. And he thinks it's just a lamp. Um, okay, so so we see here that the Gentiles were considered uh, cursed, and they were compared also to thorns and thistles. So we're going to talk a little bit about breaking the curse and what it means to have the curse broken in your life. What it means for the thorns and the thistles and the, and the curse that started with Adam, and then it went all down uh, through time to where any time it was talks about thorns or thistles in the Bible, it is talking about a curse. It is talking about something making it hard. It's terrible. Have you ever had a thorn stick in your foot? Um, it's not pleasant. Could you imagine what in your eyeball? That's what made me think about the eyeball. And I thought, dear Lord, from this point on, I'm going to protect my eyeballs with it because they're so precious and so easily paid. Uh, and I could tell you this, when it was super dark and I could not see and my eyes were on fire, the first thing I thought about was hell. And I thought, if I've never wanted to go there, never planned on going there, but I would just now itched up even more that I'm never going to hell. Because if outer darkness and fire feels anything like my eyeballs felt, then there's no way that I could make it because I'm a big sissy. Uh, and I, was, uh, I, I couldn't handle it for one day, much less forever. But in Ephesians, we're going to start with Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, start with verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, but we can start here. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You obeyed the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit that is at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following our, the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. You could go. Keep going. Okay, go back to verse 1. I don't even know why. Okay. So it's important. You were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. So as Gentiles, he's telling them right now, he's talking to the Ephesians, and he's saying as Gentiles, you were born already into sin. Adam had to make the choice to sin. Adam was not born into sin. Adam was born into perfection. He chose to sin. But as Gentiles, we were born in sin. Our very nature was already of the evil one. It says that we already had the spirit of the enemy in, within us. Uh, from the beginning, it says that Satan was the spirit that lives inside of you. And so we didn't get a we didn't, we kind of got a bad start to begin with. If we go down to verse eleven through twenty two of uh, chapter two, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews, who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies or their flesh and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. For he united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulation. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people for the two groups. So together as one body, Christ reconciled both of the groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility towards each other was put to death. 
He brought this good news of peace to the you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are now members of God's family. And together we are his house. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ himself. We carefully join together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So we see here he's explaining to them that as Gentiles, we were outsiders. We had no hope. We had no, we had, we had, we had nothing. The Gentiles of the Old Testament had no hope. And you may be thinking, man, you love to preach on the Gentiles and the Jews. Yes, because I feel like there's very few people that actually properly explained it and what it truly means to be a Gentile and what it truly means to be born again. Because, guys, I think because sometimes our worship, as I was talking to uh, some of them Friday night about our worship sometimes being halfway. And I said to him this, I said, if you worship sometimes real good on a church service, if some church services you come in and you feel God and you pray real good and you worship real good, but then sometimes you're just kind of eh, you're, you're just kind of there and you don't really feel it or get into it. I said, if you've got a 50-50, if you're 50% of the time you're on fire for God, you're feeling God, you're worshiping God in the spirit, and 50% of the time you're just kind of eh. Or I said, even if you're 90% of the time you feel God, and then just 10% you're I said that you're not walking in the spirit because the bible says we have to walk in the spirit because if we walk in the spirit we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh and he tells us that only those who walk in the spirit will see god and so we have to learn how to live in god's spirit every single day it's easy for me to be to come into the presence of god if i stay walking in the spirit in my daily day uh today every day thing is i'm keeping my spirit charged and i'm staying in the spirit of god it's very easy then to be able to worship god in spirit and in truth he says if anybody worships me with besides anything in spirit and truth then don't worship me at all because he says your worship is farce it means your worship is just you're going you're giving me lip service you're not really worshiping me with all of your heart mind soul and strength you're Worship is just kind of humdrum. You're going through the motions, but you're not having the feelings. And guys, let me tell you something. When we really get it, and I hope this morning this helps some of you really get it, that we did not have to be chosen. That we did not have to be here. That song that says that we were singing this morning that says hell's lost another one. I want you to realize that you did not have to be one of the ones that was saved out of a devil's hell. You did not have to be one of the ones that God has chose for his very own. And I know that we choose God, but I want to show you in scripture this morning where God also has chosen us. And so when we were chosen by God, we didn't have to be. And sometimes when I worship God, I'll say, God, I don't know why you chose me. But I'm so grateful you did. How many of you know that you can't even, the Bible says that you can't even come to repentance unless it's the Holy Spirit that draws you? So we can't even be saved just because we decide we don't want to go to hell. 
We can't be born again just because we decide we don't want to go to hell. The Holy Spirit has to call us. He has to invite us. He has to say, come, and the Holy Spirit move on our heart. And so when we think about the fact that the day that he moved on our heart and he gave us the opportunity to be transformed and to be born again of his spirit, when there is people that are dying and going to hell all over this world because the Bible said there will be many, therefore, that find the way to hell. It is such a blessing to know that we've had the opportunity to feel what it feels like to be born again. And if it really gets us and we really let it hit us home where it should, we should never have hubdrum worship ever again. We should never take it for granted. We should never take for granted what he's given us. Every day we should be humbled. I can tell you this, I was raised in church my whole life. I grew up in church. I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 10. I started preaching when I was 10 years old. And now I get almost 42, and I still start squalling every time I think about the, t- that the fact that he chose me. Every time the song comes on, you thought I was worth saving. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care where I'm at. I begin to start weeping. Because when it really hits you that he thought you were worth saving. He thought you were one of the ones to be chosen. He picked you out. And he chose you. And he took you out of the mess that your life was in. And he said, I think I could do something with them. Man, you will spend the rest of your life making him grateful that he chose you. And this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to have the curse broken off of our life. To have the curse, but we were outsiders, it says. We were nowhere near to God. We had no hope. We were outsiders. We didn't even understand what the covenant really was. John chapter 3, start with verse 3, says this. I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go into his mother's womb and be born again? I assure you no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only produce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as where you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can explain how the people are born of the Spirit. If you stop right there, God is trying to give you a hit because the Bible says that it is the Holy Spirit that is like the wind that blows. It says that he was the spirit that, that moved over the waters when God created the heavens and the earth. It was the Holy Spirit that, that, that moved over the waters. It's the Holy Spirit that breathes life into us. It was the Holy Spirit when he told the prophet Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to this bones, I will make life enter into you and you will live again, says the Lord. And so he says, I prophesied to the wind and I told the wind, blow into them and give them a new life. Give them life again. They were dry. They were, it says that their bones were very dry. Meaning there was no life in them at all. Adam and Eve were dead until life was made into them. It is the Spirit of God that brings you a spiritual life. It is the Spirit of God that gives you the eternal life because He is an eternal being. And so it was Him that breathed life into them. But then we know, because if you've went to church here any time at all, you know, I've talked about then the fallen angels came down and they did what should have never been done in Genesis chapter 6 and they created what we are now called the nations or the Gentiles that come from the giants, the Gentile nations. They were created from eternal, unclean spirits 
coming in. And Jude, the book of Jude, Jesus' brother says a lot of this, something that should have never been done. But how many of you know that God knew what was going to happen before it ever happened? How many of you know that God knew what Satan's plan was before Satan even knew that he was coming up with his notorious plan? This is what I love about God. I love that he's always one step ahead. And that nothing ever catches him by surprise, but that he tricks the enemy all the time and it makes me laugh. Because how many of you know that before Satan ever even tricked Adam and Eve, before he ever planned his little feet that he planned in Genesis 6, that God had already created a master plan and he had already preordained and preplanned to save us as Gentiles. He had already decided then that he was going to flip the script on the enemy. And I love the fact that God had already planned the plan before the devil messed it up. He already had the way to fix it. John 3 says those that are born of flesh is flesh, but those that are born of spirit is spirit. People have preached all through the, my years of growing up and before that they've always preached you must be saved. And they, they say you must repent of your sins and be saved. But Jesus said it differently. Jesus said you must be born again, not just of water unto repentance, but you must be born also of the spirit. You must have a new spirit. Ezekiel said it like this, I'll put a new spirit in you, says the Lord, and I'll put a new heart within you. I'll take out your stony heart and I'll give you a new heart, a heart of flesh. Jesus prophesied through the Ezekiel then that God was going to change us as Gentiles and he was going to give us his spirit. He was going to replace. He said, I'll take out the old spirit. I told a preacher one day because I was telling them about this and they said, well, I thought we were just disconnected from God's spirit. I said, no, as Gentiles, we were never connected in the first place. I said, he said, I'll take out the old spirit. The scripture I just read a while ago said those that live in this world and sin against God, they are filled with the spirit of the devil. And so we know that as Gentiles, our natural spirit was from the devil. Our father, in the book of Romans, it says our father was the devil. And so we see here that anything that's born of flesh is flesh, but what is born of spirit is spirit. So when we're born, we're born into flesh, into our flesh. But guess what? The flesh is cursed. Even if you were a 100% Hebrew, which I don't think any of those exist anymore. They've intermixed so much. Even if you were 100% of Abraham's straight, physical, fleshly lineage, at this point, sin had entered into Adam and Eve, and their flesh was still cursed. So as Gentiles, our spirit and our flesh was cursed. As Israelites, their flesh was cursed. So what does it mean we must be born of the Spirit? Genesis 22, verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son, Isaac. How many of you have ever read the story of Abraham taking his son, Isaac, to be sacrificed? How many of you, if you have not, raise your hand if you've never read that story. But guys, if you've never read that story... Uh, where'd the Bible belt? It's literally the first book. Uh, Genesis. 
God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. An angel appears unto Abraham and tells Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to give you a son. He, that is your promised son. God's going to give him to you. And out of him, uh, the promise of God is going to come. He tells them that you're going to be a father to many nations. He made a promise to Abraham. I want some of you to really listen to what I'm saying. God made a promise to Abraham. He told Abraham, if you will serve me, if you will obey me, if you will teach your children to serve me and obey me and honor me as their God, then I will bless through your son Isaac. It is through him that, that, that I will bless your people, that there will be a nation of people to come out that will be blessed by God. So we know now that the Israelite people were special unto God. And, you know, I've heard people say, you know, nobody's really special to God. Well, there was. The Israelite people were special to God because they were his children. Uh, they were actually born from him with his spirit in them. But how many of you know that, uh, th that through it all, God still knew that we were going to be here? And what would, I, what would you say if I told you that the whole plan, even the Israelite nation, and what they were called by God to do to be chosen was all because of us. That even them being chosen, they were chosen for us. And I'm going to explain to you why. He says, what is flesh is flesh, what is spirit of spirit. Then he says, Abraham took it. Let's talk about Abraham. Abraham, all through the Old Testament, it is a foreshadow of the New Testament. The Old Testament tells a story, and every story tells the story of Jesus redeeming us. Every story is the redemption of us. God literally play acts throughout the Old Testament this, the story of our redemption. He uses Abraham to represent him and he uses Isaac to represent Jesus and he tells him, I want to see if you're like me or not. I want to see if you're willing to lay down your one and only son as a sacrifice. And so Abraham, because he believed in the promise now I want y'all to get to what I'm saying, because because Abraham had faith in the promise. What was the promise? Abraham was promised by covenant with God that he would make Isaac into a nation of God's people. He made a promise to him. So God knew, Abraham knew, that even if God tells me to sacrifice Isaac, somehow or not, God will raise him up because I, he made a promise to me. So Abraham was considered the father of of faith because it was by his faith in the promise of God that made him to be the father of God's chosen people. He became the father of God's chosen people. Abraham decided to believe the promise more than he believed what he saw with his own eyes. God told him, take your son and sacrifice him. Abraham took his son up on a mountain called Mount Moriah. He took him up there to sacrifice him, but then he heard a voice out of heaven. And, he, and the voice out of heaven said, look, there's a ram in the bushes. How many of you know that that ram was in a thorn bush? The bush that that ram was stuck in was a thorn bush. He had his head and his horse stuck in a thorn bush. And so God said, take that ram that I have stuck in the thorn bush right there, and I want you to sacrifice him as a replacement for your son. You don't have to give up your son. I'm going to give you this ram as a replacement. And so Abraham took the ram, and he sacrificed the ram in the place of Isaac. God just wanted to make sure that, I, that Abraham was willing. And so the next thing we see, is we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 6. 
For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name. Listen, I know this, everybody else don't laugh about this like I do, but for some reason this makes me laugh every time I read it. It says, God made a promise to Abraham. And since there was no one else greater to swear by, he swore by his own name. So God was like, I swear by myself because there's nobody else I could go above to swear by. So I, I, just, I think that's funny. He, he makes a, a covenant with Abraham, and he was like, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on, them, on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. How many of you know that if you make a covenant or an oath, uh, that it, you have a notary that signs it and puts a seal on it? So they allow somebody that is over them as far as governmental-wise to put a seal on it. Jamie's a notary. I always make her sign it and notarize anything. So now that I've told y'all, if y'all ever need anything, everybody bug Jamie. Like I do. And so it says God made an oath so that, he could, that Abraham would receive the promise, could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. What is this covenant? What is the covenant and the promise that he makes us? In Hebrews, he's telling them, God made a covenant with Abraham, and God kept his covenant with Abraham. How many of you know that we see the rainbow in the sky today because God made a covenant with Noah? And God does not stop the covenant. Noah has been long dead, but God's covenant still remains. We still see it. God still shows it. God is so big on covenant that if you make a covenant with him, even after you're long gone, he will still never cease to put his bow up in the sky to show that he's still keeping his covenant to Noah even though Noah's no longer here so when you make a covenant with God it is a big deal because God cannot lie he made a covenant to Abraham that a promise was coming he made a promise a covenant to us that a promise was coming that's what the New Testament means is God's new covenant. It's a new contract, a new covenant that he made. He made a covenant with Moses, with the Ten Commandments. He made a covenant with the Israelite people. But how many of you know that we're now the bride of Christ and we're under a covenant with God that God has made with us? And just like he does not break covenant with them, he does not break covenant with us. Now, can we leave God and divorce him 100%? But God's still faithful. Even if we leave him, God never broke covenant. We broke the covenant. And so Abraham was the father of many nations. God's promise to him remained. Even though God asked him to do something that looked like it was crazy at the time, the promise still remained. So we see 
that when it's talking about the covenant of God, it says this is trustworthy. It leads us into God's inner sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, which is where the Spirit of the Holy Spirit lived. So how do we know? Listen, I want y'all to get what I'm saying here. When God made covenant with Abraham, he cut an animal in half, and he split the animal in half, and Abraham had to walk through the split animal. When we make covenant with God in the New Testament, he split the curtain in half that goes to the Holy of Holies so we can enter into his presence. And it is the presence of God that is the proof that we are in covenant with God. It is that presence is the spirit of God that is the proof of our covenant. It's the seal that God says that he places before us. He puts a seal on our forehead. What is that seal? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the covenant keeping part of the deal is that we're able to walk in to a split curtain when Abraham walked through a split sacrifice. So we see also, nine, we're going to go Romans 9 and 23. No, let me start with 9 and 7, my bad. Romans 9 and 7. Being descendants of Abraham, does it make them truly Abraham's children? For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, I will return about this time next year and Sarah will have a son. The son was our ancestor. He goes on to, and I'm going to skip, I'm going to skip and go down to 23, verse 23. Oh, that one. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy who were prepared in advance for the glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who are not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, they will be called the children of the living God. So how many of you know that it was prophesied to Abraham that his children would be the children of promise? But it was not talking about just his physical children because he also had a child named Ishmael that God did not even acknowledge. He also had uh, children by Keturah uh, after Sarah died that he didn't even acknowledge as his people. So it isn't just whoever's born from Abraham's blood, flesh, lineage that is the people of God. It's only the child of promise. I want y'all to get what I'm saying here. Only the child of promise. Ishmael's descendants are not considered the children of God. Keturah's children were not considered the descendants of God. Only the child of promise. When the angel came to Sarah and said, I will give you a child. And when this child is born, he will be the, uh, uh, the, he will carry the bloodline of the promised children. Well, there's another story that you may have heard about an angel that came down to a woman named Mary. And he told her that you will have a child, and when this child comes, you will, his name will be Emmanuel, meaning you will call him God with us. And he said he will rule the world with a rod of iron. He will be peace to the earth. So just like God told Abraham, I'm going to give you a child of promise, God, and to Sarah, God told Mary, I've given you a child of promise that's going to come, that Jesus would be born, and in him, and all the nations of the world could be saved and changed. Through Isaac, all the, 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 Gentile, the Jewish people were blessed, but the Gentile people were not. But through Jesus, all 
could be changed. All could be renewed. At the place they were told, you are not my people. In the book of Hosea, the prophet, the Old Testament, he prophesies and says, the people that I did not love, I will now love. The people that were not mine, I will now say that they're mine. The people that were not my children, I will now say are children of the living God. I don't know if y'all are really getting what I'm saying with this, but what I'm telling you is you can't help how you were born. You can't help if you were born into poverty. You can't help if you were born into alcoholism. You can't help if you were born and your parents were all drugs. You can't help if you were born into a very sinful, messed up situation and your life could have been bad. But I can tell you right now, a lot of people that are living sin says, I was born this way. But let me tell you something. Jesus says, you can be born again. You can be born again. You can get a brand new beginning. You don't have to live the way you used to live. It reminds me, Ava always cracked me up and tickled me because every time she was little, every time she would say something or somebody would say she was acting like her daddy, she would say, well, his blood's in my veins. And I, we're, she had to, it had to be a church thing she had because little kids don't normally say, well, his blood runs through my veins. And so every time I think about it, I think about the fact, who do you act like? When somebody says, who do you act like? Can you say it's his blood that runs through my veins. I act like Jesus because it's his blood that runs through my veins. Well, there, the difference between the blood of Jesus and the blood of Adam is Adam was made out of flesh. He was made out of the dirt of the ground. And so his blood, if you'll look at riverbeds, I've preached this before, they look just like blood vessels and arteries running through the earth. We are made from the earth, and we have blood vessels and arteries that shoot a, a liquid through our body that keeps life in us the same way that the earth does. But Jesus was a heavenly body. He came through the womb of woman, but he was fully God. He was fully God. And so he had a spiritual blood type. There's two different bodies, the Bible says. The Bible says that animals have a certain type of body. Uh, earthly humans have a certain type of body. And then heavenly people have a different type of body. And the only bodies that do not expire is the heavenly body. So what if we got supernaturally given a heavenly blood type? And I ain't talking about all you devil blood people. Talking about Jesus. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with y'all. Uh, everybody that don't know what I'm talking about, it's the all-going joke. He tells us that here that we are called. Put it back up there. The physical children. What I love about this, he says, it's not necessarily Abraham's blood children, his flesh children. The word flesh there is a Greek word used called uh, sakos. It wasn't necessarily Abraham's flesh children that were considered the children of God. The word children of God there is another Greek word called theos. He said it doesn't necessarily mean his flesh children are the children uh, of God. Uh, he said, but it's the, only the children of the promise, and that is the word ephelagius, which is a different word. So God talking about just Abraham's lineage says it's not the flesh children that are the children of God. It's the promised children. So the promise then was to Abraham. But Jesus said that there's a new promise. Jesus said, I'll give you a promise that when I leave here, when I go up, he said, not many days hence, I'll send down another comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. And he won't only dwell with you, but he'll dwell within you. And he said, this promise is for you and your children and your children's children, says the Lord. 
And so God made a new promise. He told them in the Old Testament, the children of God I'll bless down to the thousandth generation of those that serve me. But the, but the Gentile nations, he said, they'll be cursed down to the 34th generation of those that do not. And in the New Testament, he said, I'll pour out my spirit upon you. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Joel chapter 2 prophesied it. Peter quoted it in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. And he said, this is the promise that was given to us. So how do we know who the children of God are? They're the children of the promise. What is the promise of this new covenant? It is the spirit of the living God breathed into us. It is the spirit that is breathed into us. That we now become the children of the living God. Our father of faith. In Hebrews it says that God made a promise to Abraham. And he made a new promise with us. And that his covenant with us is just as powerful as his covenant with Abraham. We always talk about Abraham's covenant. But very rarely do we talk about the fact that he made a new covenant that's just as strong and just as powerful with us. Romans 9 and 23 says this. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter to those who he shows mercy. He were prepared in advance for his glory. King James says they were predestined in advance for his glory. Both the Jews and the Gentiles. God had planned to save us before we were ever created. I want you all to get that. In the garden, he told Satan, your seed will end up bruising the head of her seed. He was, he was prophesied Jesus. But, he, but I mean, the, the foot, the heel, which is the word Jacob, which became Israel. But he said, but his heel will crush your head. So God knew that, that Satan was going to have a seed, which would become the Gentile people, before Satan ever even did it. And he had already predestined to make us born again. He had already decided, oh, when the devil does it, I'm just going to adopt them myself. They're going to be all messed up. They're going to be evil from the inside out. They're going to be just purely useless. But I think I'm just going to adopt them and give them my spirit. I'm just going to take them in and give them my spirit. The Jews did the Gentiles. Romans 9, verse 30 says this. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God, and it took place by faith. But the people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the laws never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of trusting in Him. They stumbled over the great rock that was in their path. God warned them of this in the scripture when he said, I'm placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So we see right here that he's telling them that God is by faith that we are children of Abraham. It is those that have faith that become children of Abraham. And I'm about to get somewhere with this. This is going to step on some of y'all's toes. But I, but I, but I want you to get this. 
Abraham was the father of faith. He wasn't just the father of the Israelites. He was also the father of the Muslims. And and he was also father of all these other nations came out of Abraham. But Abraham was the father of God's chosen people because Isaac was the promised one. He was the father of the promise. We now have a promise, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it is by faith we receive anything from God. The Bible says it's by faith we receive anything from God, and he says if we don't have faith, we cannot please God. So what makes us born again children of God and now a part of Abraham's bloodline and Jesus' bloodline is faith. What, what puts us apart from other people? Do we have the faith to believe that we can be born again of God's Spirit? Do we have the faith to believe that we can be filled with the Holy Ghost? Do we have faith to believe that God can breathe life into us? Do we have faith to believe that God can reverse what happened at the Tower of Babel and that instead of it's so that all things can be possible? Because at the Tower of Babel, it said that God said as long as they can speak the same languages, nothing is impossible with them. But so then He diversed their languages and made them not understand each other. But then in Acts chapter two, He reversed the curse again, and He said, "Now you'll all begin to speak in languages that other people will be able." to understand and so then there were devout Jews from all over the world that came out and they heard the people in the upper room speaking it all in their own language and they said how can all these Galilean men speak in our language when they've never left where they live right now and they said this is what was spoken of the promise that was spoken of by the prophet Joel that in the last day saith the Lord I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh And so it is the promise of being filled with the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Spirit that makes us born again and become spiritual children and not born of the flesh. Matthew 7 and 16 says this. You can identify them by their fruit, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Once again, God is saying, how do you know who is a child of God or not? How do you know who is in the lineage of Abraham, that is that he is the father of our faith? He said, you'll know it by their fruit. He's talking to them because he's talking about the Pharisees, the people that were birthrighted as a Jewish person. They were born in the flesh of Abraham's descendants. But God always talks about Israel being the fig. And he always talks about Israel being the grape. And so he's saying this, hey, I don't care who your great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaddy was. How will you know if you're actually a child of God? He says, you won't be looking like a thorn or a thistle anymore. You'll begin to start bearing fruit that you're supposed to bear. You won't come from the wild vine of, of, of thorns and thistles. Like God said in Romans, he said, your father was the devil. You came from a wild vine. You came from a thorny branch. But I've now adopted and grafted you in to the true vine. So now you'll begin to bear fruit. Now you'll be blessed and bear fruit. Matthew 16, 16 and 18 says this. You can, uh, uh, but no, let's see, let's go. Yeah, 16, 16 through 18. This is what Jesus is talking to Simon Peter. And he says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered him and said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied to him, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. If you go back to the original Greek, he says, this was not revealed to you through flesh. 
He said, it was not revealed to you through your fleshly mind, your carnal mind. This was revealed to you through the Spirit. All right, go to the next verse. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. What is he talking about? The spirit that revealed to Peter who God was. He said, in your flesh, you can't even see God. He says, in my flesh, I can't know God. But only if I'm a spiritual being can I understand and know who God is. So he told Peter, Peter... The Spirit of God has come upon you. That's the only reason you can recognize who I am because a lot of these people can't even recognize who I am because they don't have the Spirit within them anymore. And he says, upon that rock, I will build my church. What is that rock? It is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God. I was preaching it last week, and I said something about we're the rocks. Where Jesus says that, Jesus says, in Matthew 3 and 9, he said, Who are the children of Abraham? And he was talking to the Pharisees. He said, I can make children of Abraham out of these stones and these rocks if I want to. I want you to understand what God is saying. God is saying, hey, children of Abraham are not just who are birthed by the lineage of Abraham. Children of Abraham are those who are born of the same spirit that lived in Abraham. If you have the same spirit that lived in Abraham living also in you, that same spirit that lived in Christ Jesus, Paul said, that also lives in me, then you're a child of Abraham. And as the, the heavenly blood is very is way more important than the physical blood. He said, you have to have the Spirit of God within you. Ephesians 1, verse 3. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his all good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring authority, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we, the Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his all by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. 
This right here is he's telling us that we were chosen a long time ago. I want you to understand that God had already preordained to save us. He had already preordained to give us the truth. Before Isaac was ever born, God had already made the plan for Isaac to be born. Before we were ever born, God had already made a plan for our life. Jeremiah said it like this, before I was formed in my mother's belly, you do be. Before I was born, you had already ordained me to be a prophet unto the nations. God already knew you before you were born. God already had pre-chosen to know that he was going to call you by name and tell you that he will identify you as his own. How many of you know there's children when you go into orphanages, there is children that, that never get adopted. There's people that never get adopted and when a child gets to go home with somebody, it's a great time of rejoicing. Let me tell you something, this whole world is an orphanage of the enemy's children and thank God that God saw us sitting there and he decided one day that he was going to take us home. Thank God that he saw us and he made a way for us to be adopted into the family of God and not only do we get to be adopted but now we get every single benefit that Abraham's children got we get every single benefit that Jesus got and we get to walk in authority that Jesus walked on on the earth what is it that cost what is it that purchased us so that we were born in advance first of all was the precious blood of Jesus Christ that changed our bloodline. How many of you know that he, Jesus was called the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world? I was teaching this to the kids the other day at school, and I said, how many of you know that, it, that they make anti-venom out of lamb's blood? You know that lamb's blood is naturally immune to snake bites. And they make anti-venom. If y'all don't believe me, Google it. I know you will. Uh, and they make anti-venom from sheep's and lamb's blood. How many of you know that God is a genius? And he knew that, and I think it's fantastic. That it's through the blood of Jesus that he made the anti-venom of what the enemy had done in our life. How many have ever read the story where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying to his father, and it says that his sweat became like drops of blood? That's a medical condition called hematidrosis, where people get so upset and they get so uh, worried and, and their nerves are shaken so much that literally the capillaries that are under their skin burst and, 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 the, and the little blood comes through the pores of their skin throughout their sweat because Jesus was so nervous. The sad thing about that is, is when that happens in somebody's life, their skin is so tender to touch that it hurts just to barely touched them. And that night in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus went through that medical condition called hematidrosis where he was so upset that his sweat literally became drops of blood and the capillaries that were under his skin burst open. And then that night he had to go and get his beard plucked out. And that night he had to go get spit in his face. And then early into the morning he was beat and punched in the face and whipped with a cat of nine tails. And, uh, and they tortured him after his body was already so sensitive to pain and his pain was all at a high tolerance because his sweat became the drops of blood why did that have to happen to break the curse he said by the sweat of your brow Adam you're cursed how many of you know that they put a crown of thorns upon Jesus's brow and when they stuck that crown upon his brow blood began to pour over the sweat of the brow and the blood began to break the curse of the thickets, the thorns, and the sweat. God's blood 
began to cover. Why did he have to wear a crown of thorns? Because that ram was caught in a thicket. His head was caught in a crown of thorns. What Abraham was going to have to do, Isaac. In other words, guys, we were Isaac. We were going to have to die because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life only through Jesus Christ our Lord. He became the ram in the thicket. He became the one that was caught in the thorns on his head. That's why they placed hordes upon Jesus' head because God had to break the curse of the thorns. He had to break the, cor the curse of the sweat and have it to work to the sweat of his brow in a thorny place. How many of you know that now that we can actually plant things in good ground because we can break the curse? He says that the sweat became drops of blood. I love Adam, the first man, became cursed. Jesus, the second man, broke the curse. How many of you know that when God appeared to Moses in a fiery bush, that that was a thorn bush? God appeared to Moses in a thorn bush, and the thorn bush was on fire, but not consumed. If we go back to the original verse I read, it says, Any field that has covered in thorns and thickets, he says, I will burn it down. I'll be done with it because it's useless. But how many of you know that God was showing Moses that there will be some thorns and there will be some thickets that will catch on fire, but the fire will not burn them up. It will just consume them. How many of you know that that was us? God was showing us even then where he said, Watch out, Moses. You're standing on holy ground because I'm going to take those thorns and those thickets that are so cursed, and I'm going to put them on fire, but this fire will not consume them and kill them, it will change them. And that's the fire of the Holy Ghost. Why is it that he appeared in fire in a thorn bush? Why is it that the ram was caught in a thicket of thorns and they, a crown of thorns was placed on Jesus' head? Because boy, God's a genius. Two, because all of that had to be done to break the curse. How many of you know that the reason Jesus was born through the body of a woman was to break the curse he put on Eve? Acts 7, 30-35, I'm almost done. Acts, 30 verse, Acts 7, verse 30, and I don't know if this is possible, but if you can, if you can put it up in the NASB version, because I just like the way that would read. But it says, 40 years later in the desert, the outside angel appeared to Moses in the flame of a burning bush. And you would be like, well, how do you know that burning bush was a thorn bush? It's a lot of research into the original Greeks and beginning to study about that mountain. How many of you know Mount Moriah is where he took him? Mount Moriah is where a lot of things in the Bible took place that were powerful on top of that mountain. How many of you know that God also told Adam to dust you shall return? From dust you came and from dust you shall return. Why? Because Adam was made out of flesh. And I've always heard people at funerals and stuff, you know, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, that ain't what God tells us now. God doesn't say, from dust you shall return to us. He says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, when the last trump sounds, he said that we'll bodies will be raised and will be transformed 
from corruptible bodies to incorruptible bodies and that will forever be with the Lord. So how many of you know that if you're born again with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is in the borrow of your bones just like it was the prophet that uh, Elisha when he said that the dead man was poured on his bones. How many of you know that our that dust to dust don't mean nothing to us because I'm no longer dust. I'm now spiritual and my body's going to be raised to the quickening. I'm not going back into the ground. I'm looking for the hole in the sky. Old preachers used to say, don't look for a hole in the ground, look for a hole in the sky. But how many of you know, even if our bodies go into a hole in the ground, that that ain't our bodies that we get to keep. We get a new body. A fleshly body has got to go, but it's going to be transformed into a new body. The promised children, Romans 9 and 8, Talks about the promised children, the Jews and the Gentiles. I can't read it all. I wished I could. But uh, this means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily the children of God. Only the children of the promise. If you get time, I want you to go back and read Romans chapter 3 where he talks about the Jews and the Gentiles. And he talks about that we're supposed to be called into God. That we as Jews are called. That he don't just call. That he says we are now all God's chosen people. But only if we're filled with the Holy Spirit. God loved us. He chose us. He adopted us. He identifies us. The first very scripture I read tells us that. But why? The very last verse I wanted to go over and read one more time. Ephesians 1.14. Why did it say that God predestined from the very beginning to love us, to choose us, to adopt us, to identify us? It says, the Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He purchased us to be His all people. He did this so we would praise and glorify Him. Why did He pick you? He said, if, if you won't praise me, then the rocks will cry out. He said, I'll make children of Abraham out of these rocks. Are you getting what I'm saying? Why? Praise and worship. Why did he choose you? Because Esau threw away his birthright. Esau didn't care that much about it. It wasn't that big of a deal to him. He wanted other things that seemed more important at the time. But Jacob was willing to worship and hang on to God all night long to be changed. It meant something to him. I was, I was talking to Chip, we've talked about this multiple times, where I've said some people, I think that they, they understand not going to hell, they understand heaven, they understand church to a degree. I said, but there's just, there's some people that I don't think that they really know God. I don't think that they really comprehend that they're who Jesus is. Because nobody has to tell me to come into God's house. I'm like David, better is one day in his house than thousands elsewhere. For that matter, you could ask my husband, my kids, you have to pretty much drag me out of his house. I'll be in my office still studying, and they'll be like, Bob, it's midnight. And I'll be like, hold on, just a minute, one more thing. Nobody has to tell me to worship God when songs come on because he thought I was worth saving. Because he chose me before I was even able to choose him. 
that if he had not let his spirit pull me, that I would have never been born again and got to know the promises of God. Guys, I get to walk in the promises of God. My children get to be blessed and serve God and know God. I get to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm no longer a, under a curse. My finances are no longer under a curse. My life is no longer under a curse. Why? Because he chose me. And then I chose him. And it makes a lot of sense why I chose him. But why did he choose me? Why did he choose a cursed people? Because he said it brought him great joy to do that. And so that we would praise him and glorify him. So if he chose me and he took me out of a curse, a curse that was sending me to hell, so that I would praise and glorify him, that I'm going to praise him with all of my might. I'm going to worship him with every last thing in me. Let me tell you something. There is a lot of people, guys, that thinks that they're going to heaven, but they are wrong, and they're going to split hell wide open. Why? Because he said, you don't know me. But many will say, Lord, Lord, but did we do this in your name? Did we do that in your name? Did we do all these things in your name? Weren't we good people? There will be many Jews that say, didn't I follow the law perfectly like Paul said he did? There you go, I got to talk about it. Paul said he kept the law to the letter. Didn't break any of it. But yet he was killing Christians. What? Because his nature had not changed. You must be born again. How do you know if you're born again? Because you'll receive the Spirit of God. That's the promise. The promise is the Spirit but what if I don't have faith to believe it? Then you can't be a child of Abraham because Abraham was our father of faith. By faith we receive every promise from God. It's by faith. Well, I struggle with my faith. Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. A lot of people struggle with their faith nowadays, George. Me and Chip have talked about this and tried to figure it out for years, and uh, the Lord gave me an epiphany on it. We said, why were people able to receive the Holy Ghost so easy back when I was a kid? And nowadays, people struggle. It's like when you were a kid, if you were like, receive the Holy Ghost, they're like, all right, woo, praise the Lord, get filled. Nowadays, people are like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know. And God spoke to me and said, because people don't read anymore. The only thing they read is a TikTok video if it's got caption. You read your Facebook status updates. You read your social media, but you're not reading the Word of God. And because you don't read the Word of God, you don't have the faith to receive what God says that you could have. Because faith cometh by knowing the Word of God. I can't have the faith to receive. Of course you don't, because you ain't read what you're supposed to get. We can only believe what we hear and know that we're supposed to have. If God tells us that it's for all, that ask. Jesus said it like this, what father of a son asking for a piece of bread would give him a snake instead? He said, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to whoever ask? But see, we don't know that scripture, then we don't know that God says it's that easy, do we? So it says, my people perish for lack of knowledge because they don't know me. This morning, I believe that our worship sometimes is very farce. We see God move 
dramatically here. I'm not talking about just us as a general. But I think that if you ever really comprehend what it means to be born again, there'll never be a time when you worship 90% of the time. If he chose me when I didn't deserve to, some of you all don't think you realize how bad you were. Liar, cheaters, manipulators, adulterers, fornicators, selfish, but yet God chose you. He chose to change you drastically. You came from a cursed bloodline, but now you're blessed. Man, if that don't make you run like no, no, he shouldn't be the only one that takes off running in this church. Now, some of us women that's had multiple children can't always run like that. Unless the Lord lifts our bladder back to where it was originally. But everybody, when they think about the goodness of God, it should make them want to run. It should make them want to shout. The problem is, and I'm going to say it, and I want you to hear this. There is none good, no, not one. There, no matter what a good person you are, no matter if you go and you give everything you have to the poor, it don't matter if you keep every law in the book, it don't matter if you do everything perfect, you are still a sinner bound for a devil's hell unless the Holy Spirit draws you and gives you a chance to be born again. And we've got to understand, I can't be good enough to please God. I will fail every single time unless God puts a mark upon me and says, I made them worthy. And the fact that he made some of us worthy should make us praise God with everything that we've got in us. As God has begun to heal people recently, and people have been coming in and getting healed and healed and healed. Man, people have been getting set free from demons the whole time. People have been healed here and there the whole time. But something about people getting healed of sickness is draws people. And I told Chip, I said, the sad thing about that is that some people will come only to get healed. But they never want to know the healer. They don't want to serve the healer. They just come to get healed. And I can't tell God to who to heal and who don't because really it's just whoever has faith. But I, told, but I was thinking if I was God, I wouldn't heal them if they're just trying to use me. It amazes me how people have faith to believe God can heal them, but they don't have faith enough to serve God. The Bible says you can be set free and changed. How do I know if I'm born again? How do I know? The way you talk will change. The way you walk will change. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Lay heads on the sick and they'll recover. Cast out devils. Speak in other tongues. He says, greater things you'll be able to do in my day when you're filled with the Spirit. So how do you know if you're filled with the Spirit of God? I've had a lot of people say, well, you don't have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, you don't know because who have you laid hands on and they recover? Who, what devils have you cast out and what miracles has God used you through? You say you're full of the Holy Spirit, but where's the fruit of it? The fruit is power will come out of you. This morning, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Is everywhere you go, is there a river that flows? Does life go wherever you go? How about the fact that we could be, have a double portion of his spirit? Man, God, if you're going to seal me, put two or three seals. 
See, we all the way down. So when the Jesus comes, he sees your name written all over me. Stand to your feet this morning. Why is it that so many people struggle financially? It seems like they can't ever get ahead. They're always staying in a place of poverty. If they make a little bit of money, it's gone. They don't ever have nothing. It's the curse of the thickets and the thorns and the sweat. Working and working and working and barely getting anything. I aggravate Mike and tell him he's got a little Jewish blood, even though he won't get his DNA test. I know it's in there. I aggravate Tommy because Tommy did his ancestry and he has Jewish blood. How awesome would it be to have the physical and the spiritual promises of Abraham? So that's a double seal in it. My flesh and my spirit. How do you know, how many of you know that, 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 that Abraham's physical children are the richest people in the world? And they have made all their money off of mud. Mud. Why? Because God told Abraham, I'll bless your people. Everything they have will be touched and be blessed. And God keeps covenant. How many of you know that we stand to that same covenant? Church, you don't have to be broke, busted, and disgusted. You don't have to be sick. The blood covenant also says that I'll heal your body of sicknesses and diseases. How many of you know that that blood covenant of His Spirit, when the Spirit of God gets into the marrow of your bones, that's where your immune system is made. He says that His Spirit will get into the marrow of your bones where your immune system is. How many of you know that when His Spirit comes in, He will quicken and heal your mortal body? There's times I pray for my old self and I say, Holy Ghost, you're in the bar of my bones. Make that, make my immune system activate right now and shake it. When I was praying, and we were praying for your bones to be healed, raise your hand so they knew who I'm talking about, Michelle. I looked at her and she said she was born with a bone deformity in her hip, and I said, You know that the Holy Ghost is at the bar of your bone. And she was like, It clicked. And I said, Just tell him to fix it while he's in there. This morning, who in here says, I want to have the faith to believe and be born again? Some of you, you still struggle with the same old sins over and over again. I'm going to tell you why. Because you're not giving yourself totally unto God. You are praying, you're crying, you're feeling emotions, but you are not repenting of your sins. Repent means that I'm going this direction and I make an about face turn and I go the other direction. And I never return back to that sin again. You cannot repent for something and go back to it. If you've repented, then stay away from it. We know what happened to Lot's wife when she did that. This morning, who says, I want to know for a fact that I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to know for a fact that I'm born again of His Spirit and I'm sealed by God that the promise of God remains. I want you to run up here right now. If you're in here, if you want to say, I want God to continue to heal my body, to heal my body, I want that part of the covenant, I want you to come up here right now. If some of you want to say, I want God right now to move on me and to give me the joy of my salvation.
back. I need my praise and my worship returned because sometimes I forget what I've been purchased out of. Sometimes it doesn't cross my mind what that God has really done for me. And I want God to open my eyes to see that I was worth saving, that he thought that I was worth saving, that he thought I was worth dying for, that he came so that I could be saved. I want you to think about the fact that when Jesus hung on that cross, he knew you were going to be one of the ones that was going to turn to him. And I want you to lift up your hands right now. And say, I don't want to walk in the flesh anymore. I want to be born of the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, I want you to take over my life. Fill me with your Spirit. Heal me by your Spirit. Some of the elders in the church begin to pass it all around. There's another standing here. Don't wait for somebody to come. Start praying now. Ask him to come down now. Before anybody lays a hand on you, I want you right now to begin to talk to God and say, make me born again of your spirit. 